open your Bibles, please, to the the book of Matthew, chapter 2. Happy to have everybody here and our, and our kiddos with us, our elementary age with, uh, with us in the room. And uh, I want you to know that uh, elementary folk, that we got extra, extra treats for you guys today. And, and, uh, and then more things that I have from, from old Santa Dav, uh, I'll find you after church. I fully intend to send your kids home overly sugared. <laughs> you already have the issue, bro. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't want the hat. You keep the hat. All right. Did you find Matthew chapter 2? We're going to be reading the first section there in Matthew chapter 2 today. There is, a, there is a message embedded in the Christmas story. You can hear it in the light of the star in the night sky over Bethlehem. You can hear it in the hurried steps of eager shepherds. You can hear it in the cry of an infant ringing in the night air. It is the sound of hope. It is the sound of mystery and wonder. And its message is this. Come. And while at first only a few heard it, the call to come resonates through the ages to all who will hear. Come. Christmas is an invitation to come. To come and behold. To see the one whose birth was prophesied many hundreds of years before. To see the one who is born heir to the promise of Abraham and to the throne of David. Come and behold, Emmanuel, God with us. To come and believe. Believe that because of Jesus, we know this, God keeps his word. To come and believe, because of Jesus, we know this, Jesus saves us from our sins. And to come and adore. Ultimately, this is our response to Christmas. Worship. Among the characters in the events in the Christmas tradition... Few demonstrate the invitation to come better than do the magi. The wise men, the the three kings of Orient are, whose story is told in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Again, having your Bibles or your various devices ready, let me read to you from the New American Standard. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him.
way ahead of my notes, but I didn't write this down. It always is beneficial. You, can't, you, cannot, you cannot read the Bible no matter how many times, and if you lean into it, the Holy Spirit will speak to you again and again and again. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, this book is alive. And as many times as I've read this already, and we're going to talk about these things that are significant, they said, where is the one who was born king? And, there was, and they said, we've come to worship him. That's not what people do with kings. They, they, they come to acknowledge them, to pay their respects, to, I don't know, hope to get a... Usually they come to seek a blessing from them or something. But they came not just to acknowledge or to visit, but... Where's the, one, where's the king? We've come to worship. They, they knew, I, I, it's not, it's, we'll get there. They knew there was something different. There was something divine about this king. I'm glad I said that now in case I forget later. Verse 3, when Herod heard this, yeah, not only did, they, the, not only did he hear that, that there was a king, but that these guys came to worship this guy. Worship. See, Herod, Herod would have loved for people to worship him. Oh, man, he would have thought, oh, you're coming to, he, would have, he, would, he went out of his way to try to make that happen. Where's the one born king? We've come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and all the scribes of the people, he inquired from where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what was written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judea, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, when Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared, and he, said, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, uh, go search uh, carefully for the child, and, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. That's where we get the song, right? Yeah, remember the song? And they, it said the king to the people everywhere. And if you grew up singing that, you thought, oh, Herod was all so excited. No, he wasn't. No. no I, verse 9, after hearing the king, they went their way, and the, and, and the star which had been in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's the English translators trying to throw as many English words at a Greek line that they can to help us know that the Magi were very, 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 very happy. You cannot... The, the, the event of Christmas elicits, I would say it requires, if we're going to see it correctly, this is what it should do to our hearts. It's not that everything is right in the world. As a matter of fact, the Magi didn't even know, but they were on a mission to, they didn't know it, but they were on a mission to find this child, and the results of their inquiry would result in the massive slaughter of infants throughout the land. But yet, even in the midst of everything not quite being right, there is something, there is someone that is absolutely right. And that in the midst of darkness, in the midst of waiting, in the midst of what's happening, there is Jesus Christ. And when we find him, we rejoice with exceedingly great joy. Because that means that no matter how dark it has been, light has dawned. Light has dawned and victory is settled. Long lay the world. 
but a thrill of hope is now born. This is just the Bible, not in my notes. I got to hurry. We got things. <laughs> After coming to the house where they, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Literally, they threw themselves down. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. They, they went back another way. They came one way, they went back another way. That's in the notes. Matthew includes this story, and I, and I haven't talked to him, but I, we make general inferences as to why. But Matthew includes this story because it affirms that Jesus of Nazareth was born as a baby to real parents in a real place at a real time. His birth was ordinary and it was supernatural. It was majestic and it was vulnerable. Matthew tells us this story because it happened and because it matters. Because perhaps among other important points, it affirms this regal truth. Christmas means Jesus is king. The first thing we read is that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, uh, and he was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Here, Matthew signals, again, we're remembering that we're reading this book together. So we're remembering Matthew's original audience and his audience. This would have been very important to his, to his readers that Jesus descended from the tribe and the territory of Judah that produced the line of Davidic kings. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, when God sends Samuel to, to go find the king that he chooses, you can read it, and he says, he, God tells Samuel, go find the king at Bethlehem. That's where, in other words, from that moment on, in Israel's history, that's where you want to find a good king. The real king, go find him at Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the house of bread. Come on. The house of bread, where the, the, where the living bread, the bread from heaven is born. The Jews expected the Messiah to come from this region, and Matthew even includes a portion of, of, of a prophecy from the prophet Micah. Let me read to you the larger portion of that prophecy. This is, and so hundreds of years before Jesus, here's a prophet saying this, But as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. Okay, that's pretty good so far. But listen to this one. Hundreds of years before Christ is born, hundreds of years before the A.D., the, the, the church fathers were hashing out their Christology. His goings are from long ago. From the days of eternity. This was no ordinary man. He's from, the king born in Bethlehem is from eternity. Therefore, he will, get, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Then, 
the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. Look at verse 4. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain because at that time he will be great and to the, to the ends of the earth. Listen to verse 5, just the first phrase. This one will be our peace. Later in the Gospels, we hear Jewish leaders discussing the origin of Messiah in John chapter 7 and verse 42. And they say, does not Scripture say that Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? So Jesus' birthplace, just his birthplace, fulfills prophecy. And the details of his birth affirm, especially to Matthew's audience and to us as we are leaning in, the details of his birth. Just that little sentence tells us that Jesus is a ruler, that Jesus is eternal, that he will arise and shepherd his flock, and he will do so in the strength and majesty of God, and that he is our peace. Jesus is king. The text continues, in the days of Herod the king, uh, Magi came from the east and arrived in Jerusalem. Who are these people? I know, you see them in your manger scenes. They're the guys with two boxes and a vase. They were likely astronomers or scientists of their own day who were observing the, 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 the movements of the celestial objects, and they were deriving interpretations from them. Uh, they weren't necessarily uh, uh, Sunday school boys. Uh, they, they, were, they, they, they probably made Harry Potter look rated G. Uh, these, uh, they, were, they were really mystical fellows. They, everything, they, they studied everything they could, but they saw something. They saw something they could not explain. These would have been very wealthy, very influential, and very educated persons. And they were from the east. Uh, They were probably either from from Persia or somewhere over in Babylon. They likely had traveled over 800 miles in in a period of no less than 40 days. And Matthew records the surreal and the miraculous arrival of these pagan Gentile pilgrims to show us something. He's showing us that Jesus is the king of everyone. He signals something. This is a regal document, but he's signaling that the world somehow, even there's this irony of Jesus being born alone quietly in this little town in Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie, all that stuff. It's quiet. It's unknown. Most of the world doesn't know. And yet there's rumblings from across the world from 800 miles away. There's rumblings of the curious, of the hungry. They're looking for something. And in the, and in the human heart, there is the response, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the desire of all humanity. You know what? My friend Brian Saltwasser, he loves himself some Mariah Carey Christmas album. And he's he not afraid to admit it. Macho as he is, he, 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 this, he, and, he and Sister Carrie hang out over Christmas. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Don't, don't judge me. I've never listened to the entirety of of any of her Christmas music until this year. 
Because you know what? I'm just so self-righteous. I thought, I'm not, bless God, I'm not listening to Mariah Carey. That's, that's, that's secular music right there. I'm not listening to that. I'm going to listen to me some, listen, I'm going to listen to me some Michael W. Smith or something, you know. Maybe Josh, what's his face? Groban, a little bit of him, maybe him. Yeah. I'm not listening to that Mariah. I don't even, I don't even think she dresses appropriately on that album cover, bless God. I'm telling you, that's how self-righteous my little back of my mind is. And then I thought, well, okay, blip. I put it on iTunes, and then I'm a wreck. I hear her, I hear that she wrote, and not only sang, but wrote these words. Somewhere in her, these words came. Today, a child is born on earth. Today, the glory of God shines everywhere for all the world. O oh, Jesus, born on this day, he is our light and salvation. O oh, Jesus, born on this day, he is the king of all nations. You know, I reckon if he can stir the heart of Magi, he can stir the heart of anyone. The Magi show up in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? <laughs> this is huge. This is huge. They show up and they ask Herod. Herod, Herod, this is the guy who scraped and scratched his way to become king. He is not a Jew. He is from the line of Esau. Yeah, so he's family, but not the right family. He's the uncle you don't want to come over. Oh, no. This... Don't get mad, gingers. This red-haired fella, because Edomite, the long story, Esau, it's ketchup, okay? This, 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 this guy, this non-Jewish guy slaughtered his immediate family as soon as he got the right to become king so that nobody else could compete. He was appointed by the Roman government to be king. He's not from Bethlehem. And then he built palaces and temples and shrines for the people. He was known as the great by his own doing. And he worked hard to earn it and prove it and protect it. Me king, me the great, me Herod. And these guys come 800 miles away. And they show up in Jerusalem And the first thing they say is, hello, Herod, where's the one born king? (laughs) He would not be a king someday. He would not acquire a crown. He was born with one. Royalty was not his destiny. It was his identity. So they come to Herod and they essentially say, yeah, yeah. Where's the real king? (laughs) And Jesus has been offending the powerful in the world since then. Herod was disturbed, as was all Jerusalem over this. Herod was stricken with real fear over the prospect of a real king. It's important to mention that one reason why Herod and everybody was so upset is, once again, that this is not... Larry, Moe, and Curly with two boxes and a vase. 
These are wealthy people that have traveled hundreds of miles. So there would have been servants and camels and people to pick up after the camels. It would have been a lot, a lot more uh, close to that scene from uh, that Billy Graham movie, um, uh, Aladdin. You know, the Prince Ali, the whole city is shaking because this person is coming in. That would have been more the feel in Jerusalem. There would have, this would have been quite an entrance. And they're not coming for Herod. They come for the real king. I think Herod and Jesus actually, if we could pause and just look at this as, a, as an analogy here, Herod and Jesus present a perfect picture of the problem of man and hope from heaven. Herod could represent to you and I man's effort to rule himself and others. We see it in Herod's brutality and in our own, in his pride and our own, in his monuments to himself but we don't have those. His rule by threat and might. But Jesus is mankind's true and deeply needed king. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came not so to rule over us with brutality, but to set us free from sin's tyranny. They came, in their own words, because we saw his star in the east. Now, this is important because nobody understands it. Not really. They noticed something that, other, that was otherwise inexplainable. This, there was a phenomenon in the skies, and they concluded that it meant something. Some suggest that these wise men were still under the influence of Daniel's leadership from Babylon and in Persia and had studied his writings and were looking forward to something. Many suggest that because, there was, that because of Balaam's prophecy, in Numbers chapter 24, which was uttered before a pagan audience, that that prophecy was still written down and read. In Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17... During the exodus of the people of Israel, this prophet Balaam comes up on a high hill and he looks and he sees this massive multitude of Israelites on a journey. And remember, he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be being paid to curse them. And he looks down at this great multitude, this vast number of people, and he takes a breath and he says, I see him. But not now, he said. I behold him, but not near. Then he says, a star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. They just are on their way out of Egypt and they're crossing. And Balaam says, "Uh uh-oh, somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. Come on, say it with me. Somebody's coming. And they believe that what they saw in the sky meant something specific about someone specific. And we aren't explained in the text as to what this was. The, the narrator doesn't stop and explain the, 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 the meteorological phenomenon that exists, but we're just told that they saw his star in the east. 
You know what? God does that. God gets our attention. He uses things. He uses circumstances. He uses people in our lives like a star. And if we'll pay attention, even if we don't understand, it will lead us to Jesus. But this wasn't, this wasn't a metaphor. This, was, this is a miracle. This, we, we don't, don't, even though it's not fully explained, we do know this. It was a miracle, and, it, and it, 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 at the very minimum, it, the text leaves us with this message. Somehow, creation itself is testifying that Jesus is king. Not just creation, but the cosmos. most important that we hear the reason that the Magi gave for their great journey. They came to worship him. Where's the one king? We saw his star. We have come to worship him. We have come not just to check this out, not just to observe, not to study, not to take notes, not to examine, not to window shop, not to judge, not to do all the things, not to flirt, not to be, not to... (laughs) <laughs> they, uh, uh, not just a pop-in. It's, it's not our Christmas pop-in. <laughs> not to pay our respects, but to worship. Coming to Jesus is not a means to an end. It was not something they did to even advance their own interests. They came purely simply and profoundly to worship him. When they arrived at the house where Jesus was, uh, the, the, the raw text would say, they threw themselves down. They didn't just do, kind of do the, the curtsy. There wasn't some Elizabethan you know, protocol. They, they saw, they come to this, this, this meager home in Bethlehem. You say, how, did the, how do you know it was a meager home? Because it was a couple married less than two years with a baby. They're lucky they could find the door, right? So they come to this house, and they throw themselves down. These wealthy, powerful men who are used to people waiting on them hand and feet. They, soon as they see this child, they throw themselves down. This is an Eastern expression of total surrender and a devotion to deity. Then they opened their treasures. They give gifts to this king of gold and and incense and myrrh. These are very expensive. They are very symbolic. They're fun to talk about. But the point is that these these are gifts given to royalty. They are expressions of worship, and they're very expensive. These are great gifts that they came to bring. Now, this is not, I, I, I told my daughter I was going to try to, you know, I thought, wouldn't it be funny if I told people, and that's why we give presents at Christmas. But, uh, but, but this is not why we give gifts at Christmas, but it may do you well. It may help to reframe what you think of when you do give. Not just, here's something I got for you, where's mine? But maybe we could repurpose what we're doing with these words. 
in honor of King Jesus. Here's a gift. Jesus said that even the least that we do for one another, we do unto him as our king. The picture of these wealthy, learned, and powerful men on their faces before a common family's baby is both ironic and beautiful. It is the image that captures the reality of what is happening at Christmas. Humanity's best is surrendering and bowing before heaven's Savior. They came to worship Him. They came, they beheld, they believed, they adored, because Jesus is King. And when they did, now I know we're told they left a different way. That's because they were warned in a dream. But it's just too good for us not to try to seize the symbolic nature of of that idea. They came one way and beheld and believed and adored Christ, and they left a different way. They went home a different way than they came. How could they leave the same way that they came? No one, when they come to Christ and they see Him and they genuinely will surrender their lives to Him in worship, you cannot leave the same way. This passage leaves all of us with this invitation. Come, let us adore Him. Come, let us adore Him. My friends, from wherever you are, come. No matter how close you are, come. No matter how often you come, come. You and I today are no less invited than those magi. Come today. Come and adore Him. Come and worship Him. Not as a means to an end, but as the reason for our coming. Worship Him. Let your hearts and your minds be filled with the wonder and gratitude that Jesus is King. And as we do, no matter how often we do, we will never be the same. Because nothing has ever been the same since Christmas morning. Merry Christmas. Jesus is.